you struggling to make your first 100K or next? Are you pretending you're successful, but barely getting by? Are you tired of comparing yourself to millionaires and billionaires who make it look so easy? Welcome to First 100K, the number one entrepreneur voice in America. I talk about the important things that no one else is talking about, like how to make your first $100,000, because I believe this is where 90% of entrepreneurs get stuck. And I tackle the mental game of entrepreneurship that we all secretly struggle with but won't admit. My guests are successful entrepreneurs who share their mistakes, their number one fears, their daily habits, and their superpowers that push them over the 100K mark. I'm your host, your coach, your friend, Joseph Warren. I'm also a 10-time failed entrepreneur and the owner of two co-working spaces here in Tampa, Florida. This show was created for you the entrepreneur who's pushing to break through the elusive 100K milestone. Wherever you are in your business, you're just 100K away. Do you wish growing a business was easier? Are you feeling frustrated that it's taking so long to make your first 100K? I used to feel the same way until I discovered the one thing that was missing. It wasn't more marketing tips or strategies. It wasn't reading more business books and it wasn't learning more stuff. I could show you what's holding you back and blocking your success if you like. Typical side effects include higher income, peace of mind, loving relationships, real connection with God, freedom from addictions, purpose, fulfillment, and a brand new lifestyle. It all starts by scheduling a spiritual clarity call with me to get clarity on what you want right now in your life and to see if we wanna to work together. Visit josephwarren.net forward slash possibilities to learn more. That's josephwarren.net forward slash possibilities. Today, our featured guest is Karen Rowe, and she's a number one international best-selling author. She's also the owner of Front Row Seat, and it's a full-service writing firm, right? So if you're an author, aspiring author, you want to listen. Start listening right now. Like if you've got that story to tell and you're just not connecting with your clients on that deeper level that you really want... That's why I brought Karen on the show. She's going to speak about that. So she's an expert in nonfiction and turns business owners into authors and establishes them, you, as an expert in your industry. Through her proven system, I like this, Book on the Beach, Karen is known for helping elite alpha male business owners get their book written in three days or less. If I just spoke to you, listen up. You're an elite alpha male. You need to write your book. Her clients include an actor, a retired FBI agent, a reality TV star, entrepreneurs with online empires, and some of the top self-help leaders in the industry. Her mission is to help you find your voice and uncover your unique and powerful story to create an instant connection with your marketplace. Kind of like what I just said. You can find her at KarenRowe.com. That's Karen row.com. I'm going to spell it for you. It's K-A-R-E-N-R-O-W-E.com. Karen, welcome to the show. Go ahead and fill in some of the gaps in that Aww, intro. Would you? Thank you for having me. Uh, 
Well, I, the only thing I would say is that you said if you're an author or an aspiring author, you don't have to be an aspiring author. You can be a speaker, a trainer, a business owner. Uh, you can be a chiropractor or a psychologist, you know, be an what? actress. Yeah, anything. If you have specialized knowledge or a message to share, um, I also have maybe 10, 20% of my clients just have had interesting lives and they're writing memoir books. So if you, if that's you, you know, you have a story to tell, then listen up to this podcast because it will so, be relevant. So Karen, why alpha males, elite alpha males? Like, what do you mean by that? Why'd you pick that? Don't go well, too deep, just literally 60 seconds. Well, because uh, typically the they are very passionate about their subject matter. They know what they would write about. And the biggest problem that they have is that they're just too busy and successful to find the focus time required to sit down and write on a regular basis. So I target the elite alphas because they, as soon as they meet me, know that they need me. And it's a really simple conversation that results typically in a sales transaction. So what I heard you say is elite alpha males are quick decision makers. Yeah, quick starts. Yeah, they are. Yeah, so like, why wouldn't you want them as clients? All right, so Karen says right there on our homepage, the biggest problem with writing a book is writing the damn book. That's it's right. It's time consuming and it's a chore and you got all this other stuff going on. That's why Karen can help you do it in three days or less. We're not here to sell Karen and her services. We are here to learn about how Karen made her first $100,000. So Karen, let's get down to business. My audience loves context. How much revenue, gross revenue approximately, did your business do in the last 12 months? Uh, I'm gonna say about $125,000. There you go. All right, cool. Now, how long did it take you to cross the 100K? From zero to 100K, like how long was that? Honestly, six or seven years, probably. Got that. Why do you think it took you so long? Because I'm hard-headed and stubborn. <laughs> <laughs> Does that sound like any of your clients by chance? And I made it hard for myself. So I'll, that's what I'll say why it took me so long. All right. Let, actually, I want to hear that. What do you mean like specifically? Like what is one big example of how you made it hard for yourself? Well, I used to talk people out of hiring me. So I, I had to learn how to make it easy for people to say yes to me. Um, and I had to, I was a very good and still am a good technician. I had to learn how to be a business owner. Mm. So I could write and edit books really well, but running a writing business took some time and courses and coaching for me to, um, to be able to develop some of those skills. That's powerful. Startup Nation, are you like Karen, where you used to or maybe still do self-sabotage your own success? You actually talk your clients out of buying your product or service or you? Mm -hmm. so Karen, give me a, a, an example, like what specifically shows up for you in um, how you actually talk someone out of the sale? Well, I mean, first of all, I'd say it was uh, really I put a lot of pressure on my business to support me. So first of all, I really needed the sale. And when you're coming from really needing something, uh, you're not coming from service. And how can I support this person? And what can I do for them rather than I need to get this sale so I can pay the rent? Um, so, so that's one thing. The other thing is I had a really high price point 
And so people that didn't know me would say no because they want to, it's like getting married on the first date with a high price point like that, right? So I had to learn what's a, uh, like a low cost entry point that my clients can work with me, get to know me. We can both figure out if we're a fit for each other and then move on with the full book if that's what's going to be a fit for them. So how did you go about doing that? Because well, that's really a, powerful for yeah. Startup Nation to hear because I know so many of my audience are struggling in their businesses with exactly what you're talking about right now. Well, I hired a business coach. Um, so that's one of the best things I ever did. And I also bootstrapped my business, which is another reason it probably took me six or seven years to hit the 100K. Mm -hmm. um, and that business coach happened to need a book. So I bartered for the services because I couldn't afford a business coach. He knew that. Um, and so that's a strategy. I don't barter anymore because I can now thankfully pay for services and be paid for services. But at the time uh, that really served and supported both of us. And I would recommend bartering only if it is, you know, an equal value exchange for both parties. I like that. Sometimes Startup Nation, you got to barter your way to where you need to go or at least to the next step, right? Right. That's a powerful. All right. So here's why I invited Karen to be on the show. One, she's dropping wisdom bombs and explosions right out the gate because you are doing these exact things that she was struggling with for six to seven years. So are you going to be an idiot and not learn from her mistakes? Are you going to continue doing the same stuff that's not working for you? Or are you going to sit back and listen and go, maybe... I don't have it all figured out. Maybe I should listen to Karen right now. Mm -hmm. Maybe I should stop talking my clients out of buying my products and services. Maybe I should barter my way to the next step. All right. So Karen's going to speak to us about, I want to hear this. Um, and then we'll get into like the books and writing and everything like that. What, how did you make your first 100K, right? So I get it took you six to seven years of just mistakes and mm -hmm. stubborn headedness and all that. Mm -hmm. But you finally got to a point where you're like, you hired the coach, you got some transformation stuff going on, you started to change from the inside out. All of a sudden, you had aha moments mm -hmm. and you started going from a technician, as you said, uh, to a business owner. Mm -hmm. and running that business. So what are the top three tips or strategies that you use to cross the 100K mark, Karen? Well, the first thing I'd say is make sure that you're solving the right problem for your clients. So when I initially started my writing business, I thought that the biggest problem that my clients faced was that they were afraid of that their ideas weren't any good or that they were dealing with you know some of these limiting beliefs that we hear a lot about fear of success fear of failure etc and actually that wasn't true at all the type of clients that i really wanted to do business with as i mentioned earlier they had no shortage of confidence in their passion they had no shortage of results that they could share and, and successful case studies that they'd help their clients achieve their big problem was their time. So I was struggling for those first five years because first and foremost, I was not solving the right problem. So if this is you and you're listening, ask your clients, right? Like I got, the, I got to understand what the right problem was by talking and asking questions rather than just pretending that I knew 
because that was my stuff. My big stuff was that was in my way was what I assumed everyone's problem was. And that's not true. So that's the first thing I did that really, you know, and then as soon as I started solving that problem, the caliber of my clients completely changed. Mm. So while uh, at first I was attracting people that were afraid of writing books and I had results that reflected that not only in my bank account, but I only had maybe two out of 10 clients in the first year and a half publish their book. And I was like, those results suck. I want a hundred percent of my clients. Right. But I was attracting the type of people that were writing, you know, like catharsis books and they were dealing with fear and, um, and that was stopping them from completing. <laughs> um, so once I switched to that business, you know, that problem, then the whole business shifted. I also switched from a uh, book coaching into done for you ghostwriting. <laughs> so I thought, okay, if they're not finishing the books, I know I can finish them. So let me do them. And of course that again, solves the problem where they're like, man, this is great <laughs> because I'm reducing the client's investment for writing a book from say 400 hours down to 40. So that was one thing. And then the other thing that really made a difference in terms of a top three tip is I focused on relationships. So I really did relationship marketing. I realized that the type of client that I'm going after these CEOs and, and alpha males, they're not on Facebook. Uh, they are either uh, speaking from stages, they're hosting their own events or they're at events. So I started going to those events and I paid to play. <laughs> I would join mastermind groups. And, you know, I was often, I'll say the poorest or brokest person in that room, which is what I wanted, right? So, mm. um, and I developed relationships with them. And often it was an easy, once I solved that right problem for them, you know, we're talking a 20 or 30 minute conversation over dinner or lunch or over drinks, and they were hiring me. And because they were at a certain level of success, the price point I was charging was not a difficulty for them, which I also wanted, right? I didn't want people that were stressing out about making a payment to me. So that's- That's, that's powerful. So Startup Nation, I know they're, the question in their head right now, my listener, is, well, how did you pay for those mastermind groups and those events in order to make your first 100K? Like where'd that money come from to go and meet those people, those top CEOs, et cetera? Well, a couple of different ways. I sometimes I bartered, um, and sometimes I paid them instead. I, I went without. I didn't have a car for two years, for example. Um, I I had my cost of living was really really low, so that I could invest in some of these mastermind groups. I often did payment plans, um, you know, because the truth is, if I could get one client out of that marketing group, it would more than pay for the cost to join the group. So I, I looked at it that way, and I would not necessarily recommend everyone to do this. I was single. I didn't have kids. You know, my, that I was focused on that. And that was what I chose to do. But you know, I didn't, I wasn't going out spending my money on new toys. I had an old crappy phone for like three years, you know, but it, I paid a hundred bucks for it. Didn't have a payment plan. Like I just, I saved money where I could. Uh, I, I cooked at home. Like that's, that, that was the necessity of, again, the, the, the bank account. Um, but you know, when I did have money, I would often just reinvest it right back into the business. Man, powerful. I love rags to riches stories. <laughs> yeah. This is great, Karen, because you, you didn't shy away from one, having your eye on the prize and two, like getting lean with your lifestyle, your expenses and not going for the latest, greatest gadget 
and, and saying, you know what, it's going to be worth it. The dream's going to be worth it. So I'm going to sacrifice now these things so that I can get to that dream. Where so many of us, we want everything now, 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 and we actually give up the dream, right? We get mm -hmm. all the stuff, the toys that dissatisfy us, and we give up the actual dream that would satisfy us. So really well said there. This is, I love it, I love it. So Startup Nation, are you listening? Like Karen is dropping this, this is awesome. So Karen, go big picture real quick with me. Why do you think 90% of entrepreneurs are struggling to make their first $100,000? I think they're too comfortable. You know, I think often, the other thing is that I was single, so I didn't have a second income. So uh, I think often entrepreneurs don't have enough skin in the game. And you say you're committed if you're doing a side hustle, not to say that you couldn't make that 100K, but it might take you longer. Um, one of the best things I did was move to the United States from Canada because in Canada, I had a bunch of other revenue sources. I was still taking contract positions and I was used to be a teacher. So I was still substitute teaching. So although I would have said I was a hundred percent in, it wasn't until I moved here and that was the only thing I could do legally to earn money that I really had to look at the breakdown of my systems and you know, transform them so that I could have a viable and sustainable business. Okay, so let's jump ships here. I want to talk about passion, right? You not only left Canada to the United States, but you actually left your comfort to pursue your passion. So yeah. tell me what that was like for you. What was going on in your mind? I mean, all the fear, insecurities, the self-doubt, the, the unknowns, right? Like, mm -hmm. how did you go from that to making the decision, I'm all in? Well, as I mentioned, I was a teacher before, and what I tell people a lot is that that life as a teacher was someone else's life. It wasn't mine. So the mm. life was slowly leaking out of me every day. So as much as it was fearful to move to a new country and, you know, move to a place where I didn't know anyone, it was still favorable and preferable to working in a job that I hated for the rest of my life. Right. So it was that I'm going to take a big risk now. And, um, you know, and, and the thing is, is that as much as it was a risk, if I really hadn't didn't like it here, or, or I, didn't like it, I could always have moved back home, you know, um, but it did give me the push I needed to to follow my dreams. So um, and I have an interesting take on passion. Um, I am passionate about writing and I'm good at it. Um, but what I tell people all the time is I, le I left my teaching job and I quit outright. I didn't take a leave of absence because again, burn the bridges and it will force you to step up and make choices that if you're too comfortable or you don't have skin in the game, you might not make. Um, and within six months, I had a, a, a book deal. So I say like, I'm passionate about writing, but it also worked out for me. And I did get to a point in the business where I was like, okay, like, like, you know, six years to break hundred K is a long time. And I did get to the point where I said, if you really can't make this viable and sustainable, it's time to move on. So if the writing thing hadn't worked out, I would have explored other 
things that I'm passionate about, because it's not just about passion, you also have to have an economic lever and some talent, right? So, you know, I always give the example of American Idol. There's a lot of people on American Idol that are passionate about singing. It doesn't mean they're necessarily talented at it, right? So there's the three things, I think, passion, talent, and an economic lever. So what are you good at? What do you love? And what can you make money at? And writing for me happened to be one of those things. Man, some good stuff. Good stuff there. All right, got it. So Startup Nation, Karen went all in. She jumped into the deep end of the pool. And she knew she was either going to swim or drown. And that's what it looks like. And I kind of just wrote this little note on the side. You know, what Karen's saying is the pain of staying was greater than the risk of leaving. Mm -hmm. And you really want to get to that point right? Otherwise, you're too comfortable. And something else I'm, I'm going to put out there is you're too comfortable. That's why you're struggling. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. Anything you want to add to that, Karen? Well, I'm just going to say find your tribe. Like, and you said something. I, the thing is, I did drown over and over again, right? And I just kept being focused that like, no, there's nothing else I want to be doing. This is what I want to be doing. So you just keep trying until something works. And there were plenty of weeks and even months where I didn't know where my next meal was coming from, right? So there's a lot of faith that went into that I'm on the right path and I'm going to be taken care of. And I was always like miraculously, I'd get a phone call and someone would offer to take me out for dinner that night, you know? So there was a lot of also grace um, required and humility. And, you know, I said I didn't have a car for two years. So I really had to learn how to ask for a ride and share with people. And it, it ended up being great because I got to know people really well and have conversations and uh, that I wouldn't have had if I'd been driving by myself all over town. Yeah, so. got it. So let me ask you this. If you could do it all over again, what's that big, hairy, number one mistake that you would want to skip? Or maybe you say, mm -hmm. no, actually, I needed mm -hmm. to go through that. Mm -hmm. What's that big mistake that you made? Well, I definitely did need to go through it or, and I wouldn't be here without it. But the big hairy mistake I made was that I really undercharged for my services when I first started out. And again, that was coming from desperation. Um, I also was in the camp of I just love doing it so much that I almost was doing it for free which is one thing when you've got other sources of income when it, but when it's your main source of income, um, you know, I made huge mistakes by running a pilot program at less than what it would cost me to deliver the service. And then I was on the hook for, in, in some cases, two years after that to deliver the service. And I did, and I paid the price for it uh, mm -hmm. financially. Um, so that's probably the, the biggest mistake I'll made, make, and I don't do that anymore. So I did definitely learn from it, um, you know, because I lived with the impact of it. I really get that. You know, you didn't change, uh, you didn't charge enough for your, your, your product or service. Now, what was missing there? Was it you oh. didn't value your product or service, or was it you didn't value yourself? No, I didn't know my numbers. So that's another one of the best things I ever learned was like your weakest link is, you know, the thing that you know the least. And I, I'm really good with words and not so good with math and numbers. So I didn't even really know how much it would cost for me to deliver the service because I was just thinking, well, it's just my time. But no, there were other aspects in the book publishing process that I hire other people for. <laughs> so, so that's a, a main thing is I just didn't know my numbers. And so I just 
was making it up. Like, it's like, oh, well that's, and it sounded like a lot of money to me. And then in the reality of actually fulfilling on the service, I realized that I had undercharged and it was less than what it cost me to deliver the service. So what did you do to clean up that mess, right? You, you realize, I don't know my numbers. What specific actions did you take to clean that up and then well, start? I mean, I hired a bookkeeper. I hired an accountant. I did about four years worth of taxes over the course of 18 months. I started to track everything. So I track every payment that comes in from clients and every expense, that's, expense that goes out. So I can gauge not over just one project, but I'm working on anywhere from, you know, maybe 15 projects at a time so that I can see, am I charging the right amount and am I charging fairly and how many man hours are going into these projects. So, you know, bottom line, I learned my numbers. I figured out how much it cost me to get a client and, you know, the cost of acquisition and, <laughs> um, you know, and I worked at all of my expenses in, you know, what's the cost to for domain hosting and all the other things that we think we, we don't always think about. I started working that in as, as, you know, the cost to get a client. So now, Karen, what would you say to my listener right now who says, well, I'm, I'm just bad with numbers. So I, I don't want to learn all that stuff. Yeah. What well, what I, what I would say is that's the weakest link in your business, right? So I would say learn enough about it to, to hire someone else to do it. Right, because you don't want to bypass that phase. I now have a bookkeeper and accountant and a project manager who manage most of that stuff for me because that's not the highest and best use of my time, but I learned it enough to know that they're doing a good job and that my, my money is being managed properly. I also have tight control. I keep a close watch on my accounts and make sure that, you know, that we're on track. Love it. Startup Nation. Get that. You got to have your numbers. Not just a great product or a great service. You got to have your numbers straight. All right, let's do a quick uh, recap of what Karen has shared with you today. This is powerful stuff. It's basic stuff. It's simple. But man, you and I need to be reminded, don't we, on a constant basis. Yeah. All right. So first off, Karen uh, just crossed $125,000, which is great in her in her book writing and publishing type business. And she's helping clients out elite alpha males to write their books, share their stories. So she's really drilled down to a, a clear niche. And it took her about six to seven years to get there, right? Because she was literally just shooting herself in the foot and talking herself out of the deals, out of the sales, right? Um, so her top three, her top three things, strategies, here's how you make your first 100K. Number one, solve the right problem for your clients. This is a powerful one, Karen, that you really landed, I think. Uh, she went for, as an example, in her business, she thought her clients were really suffering from their pain was that they lacked confidence in writing a book. And that wasn't the case at all. What they lacked was time to write the book because they're high level CEO types. So once she got clear on that and clear on that messaging, it started to land and resonate with them. And now she was able to focus and speak to, here's how you could write a book in three days. This isn't gonna take you any time at all because I know time is your number one thing, isn't it? Guys are gonna go, yeah, how'd you know that, right? So she spoke right to that, solve the right problem for your client. So what is that problem that your client actually is struggling with? Number two, 
She lit and I put this one in Karen, but she lived a lean lifestyle. She got lean on all her expenses, right? Because it takes a while to get to the hundred K sometimes. I know I have a lot of guests on this show that come on and say, I did it in the first 12 months. I did it in the first six months. I did, I did it month one. I get it, right? That happens, but that's not actually common. It normally takes 12 months, two years, three years to hit that first 100K. Once you get it, you now have the foundation, the systems, the process to start scaling it to 500K, a million, et cetera. But it takes a while to get there. So number three, Karen says, she switched from self-published to done for you with her clients, right? So think about that uh, Startup Nation for your own uh, clients. What could you do where you take most of the work that they have to do out of the equation and you take it on and then reflect that in your higher pricing, right? But that makes it easier for them to engage with you. And then number four, Karen went uh, into relationship marketing, right? So she literally got, went and started finding out where, where are those clients uh, spending their time? And what she found was that they're not online. They're not mostly on the social media, these high-end elite type alpha males. So she went to the events that they go to. She went to the masterminds and she bartered her way in, or she went on payment plans, whatever it took to get in, get her foot in the door and then land that first client that would pay for the whole annual membership dues, right? To do that. And that's really a smart play. So great stuff there. And then I love these things. Her number one mistake was she didn't charge enough for her service and startup nation. I know you're doing that. You're not charging enough for your service, your own self-worth. So you want to get past that. And these are my two big, huge wisdom nuggets from Karen today. She said, you're not comfortable. That's why you're struggling. You're not comfortable. Uh, sorry, you're too comfortable. You're too comfortable. That's why you're struggling. So take a big risk. Go jump in a deep end of your pool, whatever that looks like. And that you're going to swim. It's just your, your fight or flight kicks in, your crack brain, your survival, and you're going to actually get closer to what you want. And then the, the second thing, Karen says, the pain of staying was greater than the risk of leaving, right? So again, this comfort thing, you got to get to the point where what you're currently doing becomes more painful than the risk of going after that dream. That's what it comes down to. Karen, how did I do on the summary? Anything you want to add to that? Fantastic. Well, the only thing I'd say is in terms of my revenue, uh, I'm really committed to work-life balance. So I also only work about 20 hours a week and I pretty much have no overhead. Like I don't have a brick and mortar. My asset is a laptop. And um, so I could definitely be earning more and I really like my lifestyle. That's, that's what I would say. I love that. I love that. Yeah. And earlier you spoke about bringing faith into your business and, you know, all the grace that was shown to you, how like somehow you were always provided for, mm -hmm. right? It always worked out. I think it's very important for us to be present, how blessed and protected we are sometimes. All right. So Karen, uh, we're headed into my favorite part of the show, the welcome to the hustle round. <laughs> I'm going to ask you 10 quick fire questions. You'll have okay. about three seconds to answer each. Okay. Don't overthink it. It's just for fun. Are you ready? I'm ready. Karen, what's your favorite sound? Uh, laughter. What's your least favorite sound? Uh, 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 whimpering. <laughs> yeah, I got that. What are you most afraid of? Um, being alone for the rest of my life. Got that. That's a powerful one. What did you spend way too much time doing your first year in business? 
um, make busy work, but not revenue generating activities. Got that. What secret fear do you have about people? Um, that they won't like me, maybe. Yeah, got that. What do you wish you had learned sooner in your business? How to enjoy the sales process. Mm. What's a new habit you want to form? Um, re uh, regular exercise. Got it. What's a bad habit you want to break? Um, snacking. Got it. <laughs> Pick uh, three words to describe who you are now. Um, oh, dynamic, uh, risk taker, and full of life. That's powerful. Pick three words to describe who you were your first year in business. Uh, terrified, meek, uh, mealy-mouthed, people pleaser. That's more than three. It <laughs> got the point across. And last question, Karen, if you could come back to life after you died and tell your family and friends only one piece of advice, what would you say to them? Uh, you've, you've only got this moment, so enjoy it. Uh, yeah, and, and, and water the grass you're on the side you're on. Startup Nation, you only got this moment, so enjoy it. And water the grass on the side that you're on. Mm -hmm. Bloom where you're planted, yo. <laughs> Stop chasing the green on the other side of the fence. It doesn't belong to you. Karen, any final wisdom for my listener? Well, I mean, I think it's great that they're listening to the podcast because that's the equivalent when you're starting out. The podcast is great to get learning and information. So learn from the people that have been and done it, what you want to do before you. Like I, I've always said you want to be the dumbest person in the room because you're learning from everyone else's knowledge and experience. So love that. Listen to that startup nation. All right. So we're speaking with Karen Rowe. You can find her at karenrowe.com. That's K A R E N R O W E.com. Any other place uh, startup nation can get in touch with you or reach out to you, Karen? Well, I'm all over social media. So they, you can find me on Facebook at author Karen Rowe. I'm on Twitter at front row seat. I'm on Instagram. I have uh, another website called um, bookwritingmaster.com. That's for an online course I do. You can go check me out there as well. Um, and feel free to reach out to me on social media. I love hearing uh, people's book ideas. So I think everyone has a story to tell and I love hearing, I love hearing them. Well, Karen Rowe, we enjoyed hearing your story today. Thank you for being on the show. I wish you peace, love, and your next 100K. <laughs> Thanks for having me. All right, take care. Take care. Startup Nation, you cannot show up authentically in your business without building faith in your business. If you want to have that conversation on the faith side of things, go check out my other podcast called Broken Catholic. On that show, I interview all different guests about why the world isn't working right now. Plus, I tackle unspeakable topics that you may secretly struggle with but won't admit. We got to get your faith right to get your business right. Go to BrokenCatholic.com. I'm Joseph Warren, and you were made for greatness. So stop being a wuss and start being a winner. Have a blessed day, and I'll see you right back here next week.